Good evening, High Point family. How are you tonight? Please let me know that you're online watching and I'll give you a quick shout out. Okay, so it's like 45 degrees and raining. So if we were having class up the building, that you would have a built-in excuse for skipping. Oh, we're not gonna go tonight. But because we've got this online option, there's no grace. You have to come if you want your name recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have to show up. You have no option based on weather. I'm here, you're here. So there's no getting around it. So give me a quick shout out and let me know that you're here. So we are continuing our study on the book, Win the Day. So it is kind of a Christian-based motivational book, kind of get us going for the new year. I figured that 2020 was such a rough one uh, that if we think that 2021 is going to be the same, it's going to be hard to get that train rolling. So I want to give us some habits and some things uh, maybe to think about and start practicing to hopefully change our attitude on some stuff. Okay. So Karen Perry is first. Hello, you're first rattle out of the box. And Larry and Jerry, good to have you guys. It looks like Joe and Don Pierce are here and the Connors are watching. Awesome, good to have uh, Debbie and Gary with us and uh, the Wombles. So good to have uh, Lyndon and Brenda Womble. Good to have you and Robbie and Grady Evansberger and Bella the dog cutest thing ever. But I blame Robbie uh, for showing us pictures of Bella because then Jill got the uh, the urge to get a COVID dog. And I think we're too old for puppies. I don't know. It's rough. We're still kind of breaking them in. But of course, Jill's still trying to break me in after 30 years. Oh, hello, Lynn Belknap. Always good to have you and John and Talia. Welcome, welcome. And Clarice Hickman, always good to have you and the bakeys so you guys are with us so sharon is it just you or is your wonderful husband with us as well all right and then we got betsy vienna um so she's here and wilma holloway hello glad you're watching and the full text ron and karen way to go and bill and kathy good to have you all right amy good to have uh you with us tonight uh, got to see Terry on Sunday. He was doing security. I appreciate him doing that. But good to have you guys with us tonight. And the Holcombs, Chris and Deanna. So welcome back to you guys. And Lewis and Paula, glad y'all are here. And it looks like Linda Robertson's here. And Paige Christensen. So Paige was gracious enough on Saturday to go up and build me that felt board that we used on Sunday. So I appreciate her. Uh, letting us use the felt characters and hopefully you enjoyed that. It's a, kind of a different way of teaching some tough theological stuff out of Hebrews. And looks like uh, Nicole Roberts. Hello to you, Nicole. We miss having you around the church, but I hope you, you guys are doing well. And hello, Brett and Vicki Baker. It may just be Brett tonight because Vicki's heading into her tax season. So uh, I don't know if she's able to break away or not, but uh, so, Brett, if she's not, tell her I said hello. And Jane Overman, good to have you. And Sharon and Ken, uh, 
hope to, <laughs> hope to see our name in the book of life. Well, it's a step in the right direction because you got a checkbook for a check mark for tonight for being online. So good to have you guys. So last week we talked about that 75% of all new year's resolutions are broken in the first month. And we had a couple of confessions of folks who are like guilty. I've already lost out. Uh, but one of the things that we talked about is uh, last week is when we're making goals and stuff, sometimes uh, it's hard to focus on that goal for, for one of two reasons. Either one, we're carrying some baggage from the past that kind of clouds what's happening, uh, or we're so paralyzed and anxious about the future that those two things added on top of our task for the day just is too overwhelming. So uh, we tend to struggle with that. And so it becomes paralyzing in the present. So what can we do to help ourselves right now to live in these one day pockets where we're trying to get as much done and as much accomplished and live into our goals and aspirations in these 24 hour segments? What can we do? And so in this book, Mark Batterson uh, talks about seven habits that can help us to accomplish more of not just our daily goals, but goals that we really want to, to check off during our lifetime. But how can we do that in bite-sized chunks? So the first habit that uh, Mark brings up is this idea of flipping the script. What does that mean? Well, the script sometimes is what we tell ourselves. And it's that internal thing that the internal voice that we're listening to. And hopefully that is God and God speaking through scripture to remind us of his truths, remind us of his promises. And so we're letting that be the foundation uh, to guide us and give us courage as opposed to uh, allowing Satan to pollute us with some negative talk. And we're talk about a little bit about that today. So um, if we're going to flip the script, then we've got to rewrite the narrative that you tell yourself if you're going to end up getting a different story. Because if we have the same script that's been paralyzing us in the past, we'll keep living into that. But if we want to change our destination, change our story, then we've got to flip that script and start thinking in a different way. So if you want to change your life, uh, you can attack it in two different ways. And I thought this was pretty interesting, the way that Mark Batterson talks about this. He talks about the, the first order is one that we're pretty comfortable with, and that's changing our behavior. So if you want to lose weight, you know, you have to exercise more and eat less. And so if we just keep it on first order stuff, uh, a lot of times we do good for a few days and then we get with our friends over the weekend and you break your diet and then you all that weight that you lost during the week comes right back. And so if it's just first order, sometimes it's just willpower that's helping us try to accomplish our goals. Maybe it's reading through scripture in a whole year. And you do really good for your first few mornings and then you uh, something happens at work or uh, you go on vacation and then you find yourself, oh, I'm already a month behind, might as well just give up. And so these first order um, of changing your lifestyle and changing 
your script is good, but what's that second order? Well, that's the conceptual, which is the mind over matter. So that's when we start rewriting the narrative of who we are and who God has called us to be. And so that actually drives our actions and it sustains our actions. So if we can think of our preferred future and where we'd like to be, then we can start taking bite-sized chunks or 24-hour periods to take one more step closer, one more step closer, just a little bit closer to that preferred future. So if you remember the story of Ehud as a kid, I mean, of course, Samson was awesome, but Ehud was my favorite of the judges. If you remember, he's the guy that's the left-handed uh, uh, judge from the tribe of Benjamin. So he was a left-handed man of God, and he was called to judge over Israel. And he was called upon by Eglon, king of Moab, to come in and pay tribute. So he has to collect up monies, take it down there, and make sure it's basically Chicago-style extortion. Hey. Uh, let me give you some fire insurance. And so Ehud is no longer going to pay this tribute to the king of Moab, who happens to be a very fat man, if you guys remember the story. And so he goes there and he, he says, you know what, king, I'm going to pay you this, but I've got a special message that I, I want to give you directly from the Lord. And so the king is all excited, big old fat guy, kind of like Jabba the Hutt. And so Ehud said, well, I can only tell you. And, and so the king, Eglon, lets everyone else go and they shut the doors. And then they had, had frisked Ehud for, uh, for a sword where you would normally pull it out as a right-handed man, but taped to his inner thigh on the right side, he pulls out with his left hand an inch, I mean, a foot and a half long dagger and he pokes it through and it says he was so fat that it covers over his hand. He's like, eh, okay, you can keep the sword. And then it just kind of over the top. So he becomes kind of a local hero among the Benjamites. You know, he's the most awesome guy. Yeah, he's from our tribe, you know? And so it, the text kind of tells us that from that point on, the Benjamites, become this left-handed group. But it's not that they are all left-handed because there's a certain percentage of people that are left-handed versus right-hands. So they weren't all natural southpaws, but instead they start training to be ambidextrous. And so even if they're right-handed, they learned how to fight with their sword and also to shoot bow, I can't even do it, uh, to shoot bow and arrows with their left hand. And so they become this awesome fighting force that has two dominant hands because they worked on their weakness, not just played to their strengths. And so this becomes this perpetual thing that the Benjamites are just these awesome fighters. There's actually a story in uh, 2 Samuel where um, actually at, at the end of Judges, where um, there's an unfortunate rape that takes place and, and it's in uh, the land of the Benjamites. And so 
um, all of Israel says, send some guys over. We ought to go deal with this. And so the Benjamites end up for several days holding off a much larger force because they had these awesome fighters. Okay, so fast forward uh, to the story of David. Okay, so um, you remember that the first king of Israel was not David, but it was King Saul. And Saul's whole deal was he was a foot and a half taller than others, than everyone else in the nation. And he was also from the tribe of Benjamin. So in theory, he's bigger than everyone else. And he's also both left and right-handed uh, if he continued on with this story of the tribe of Benjamin. So you think he would be the perfect person to go out and represent Israel on the battlefield to fight Goliath. But Saul was afraid. Saul had allowed his story to be co-opted. And when the favor of Samuel and the favor of God pulled back from him, Saul no longer had that confidence to go out onto the battlefield. And so he ends up allowing other men to stand up and say, when do y'all go out there? Well, no one was willing to go out onto the battlefield with David I mean, with Goliath, the huge nine foot tall giant of the Philistines until David comes along. So uh, I, I always just wondered how his story had changed so much to where he would have been the perfect person to go out on the field, but yet he stayed back and allowed others to go out there. So instead he sends out this underdog, David. All right, so I've actually been to the battle site um, and it's called Ephemus uh, Damon, and it's between Sukkoth and Azekiah. And so it is 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem. And so we drove out there. I've, I've been out there twice. And the first time we went, I was right out of college, and we had a Christian um, guide that grew up Jewish, but he was a convert. And so he knew his Old Testament backwards and forwards. And so he takes us out into this wide open field and he says, okay, here is this town and here's that town. And you're now, now standing in the Valley of Elah between uh, these two giant hills. What took place here? We're like, I don't know. And he goes, ah, oh, it's a problem with you Christians. You don't know your Old Testaments. So we got out and read in First Samuel. We're like, this is where David fought Goliath on this field. And you can just picture the Philistines up on this hill and the Israelites on the other. And then they sent one representative down into the valley to fight uh, on this battlefield. But what's cool is the Israelites are up on this side. And as you would walk down, you would then cross through a little brook right? And then that's where David picked up his stones. So immediately when I found that out, I'm like taking a beeline over there and I grabbed as many rocks as I could. So I actually brought one tonight. So let me hold it up here. Yep. 
So uh, if you come by my office, I'll have this sitting on my desk, but you need to pick it up. It weighs like 35 pounds. Oh, okay, well, not, not that much, but it's very dense and is smooth. And I can just, I'm pretty sure this is the rock that killed Goliath. I, I, I can't verify that, but I also purchased a couple of splinters off the cross. Uh, but I'm pretty sure this is the rock and you can just picture it going into the sling and then boom, hitting right in the forehead. So, uh, so we go out on the battlefield and I have to tell you, I've been to a lot of different sites, but that one just gave me, I don't know, just kind of holy shivers that, wow, this is where the battle took place. And it's a pretty confined area. So, you know, okay, David fought Goliath right here and we're standing out there. So it's pretty cool. So um, the irony of the story is no one thought David was the right guy to go out there. They all thought Saul was, but Saul didn't. But they discounted David, but David was ready to go, right? Um, the, this Mark Batterson brought this up in this book that how hurtful it must have been when Samuel, uh, the prophet Samuel, comes by to anoint the, the next king of Israel. God said, go to the house of Jesse. And so he says, Jesse, Lord's going to uh, appoint a king, a new king. It's going to be one of your boys. And Jesse lines them all up except for David. And so, man, you know, Jesse didn't even get a son, David, a tryout. He's like, you take care of the sheep while we're doing this whole thing with the prophet Samuel. And David's like, well, what is it? Well, you don't need it to concern you because God isn't going to give it to you. He's going to give this thing uh, to one of your brothers. And so he presents all of his sons one after another. And God says, no, that's not who I want. He's like, Jesse, you got anyone else? Yeah, I got kind of the run to the litter. Uh, go, go get David and say, bring him in. And then like the light comes down and God says, yeah, that's the guy, the man after my own heart. Uh, I know he's small in stature, but we tried the whole big guy thing and that didn't work. So let's bring in the point guard. Right. And so they hire, uh, they hire David to be the next king and anoint him. Okay. So that's what's going on. So David goes out to see his brothers. And once again, he's left on the sidelines having to stay back instead of going to war. And so when he sees what's going on, he volunteered to fight Goliath. Uh, and Saul says, hey, I appreciate your offer, but kind of belittled him. He's like, do you realize this Goliath? He's been like a trained fighter since he was a very young man. So he says, you're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. So there's no way you can beat this Philistine and possibly win. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm gonna take just a quick time out because I wanna give you a chance to respond to our question for the night. And then I'll get back to my monologue here because I want to have time for us to to read your answers. So the question for tonight is, you ready? Have you ever been frustrated by setbacks or hardships 
that God used to prepare you for something better in the future. Have you, have you ever been frustrated by setbacks or hardships that God used to prepare you for something better in the future? So Jessica has just typed it and put it in the comments. So take a few moments and uh, uh, tell me one time where you kind of, I didn't understand what God was doing in this, but now I do. Okay, so back to our story. So um, have you ever had someone that is, is giving you some negative speak like David's father, David's brothers, and now King Saul? Um, I, I had kind of an incident that at the time, I didn't think it was a big deal, but you know, umpteen years later, I still remember it as if it took place this morning. So apparently it impacted me more than I thought. Uh, I signed up for a band when I was in middle school. Actually, my mom signed me up, but anyway, I'm still in therapy over that. But uh, I was playing soccer, but she also wanted me to uh, do piano lessons and try out band for a while. And so I, I thought, well, if I'm going to be a band, why not do something cool, something that could translate into a garage band later? So I chose to do percussion. And so I was getting uh, instruction on how to be a better drummer. And so every week I had to go over, apart from my time in school, and I would work with uh, a guy that would teach me how to be a better drummer. And he was a gentleman in his late 60s, early 70s. It was just doing it kind of as a side job. And I think he was frustrated at my lack of uh, effort towards it, or maybe my lack of skill, or I wasn't progressing as fast as he wanted me to. And so he just took a time out one day and he said, Brad, I don't think you're going to amount to anything. And I said, well, you know, I'm not, you know, my mom kind of signed me up. For, he goes, no, I'm not talking about as a drummer. I, I'm talking about as an individual. I don't think you're going to do much in life. So you might as well get buckle up for that because I don't see much that you've got going on. And so just get ready for kind of an ordinary life. And that really bothered me. Uh, and there were times uh, throughout my uh, career and times in my schooling and stuff where I, I wanted to prove that guy wrong. You know, I, I didn't want that to be the script of my life. So I had to kind of fight through some of that. So maybe David did as well. But I, I love what David's response is when Saul tells him, ah, you're not going to survive this encounter. Here's what David says. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So the script that David was going off of is when I was left on the sidelines taking care of the sheep, my brothers are out doing this and other things. Um, I had to get pretty tight with God and I had to get pretty comfortable with this sling that I'm taking out into the battle. And I know what it's like to just have me versus uh, an adversary where 
it appears I'm outmatched, but God will deliver me from this Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine, like he did from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Of course, as a kid, I, I, I just wanted to, I always wondered which one I'd want to fight first, you know? And I, I, I think I decided to go with the bear. I, I thought the lion was just too formidable, but I'm not sure I'd want a bear either. So uh, David was tending sheep on the sidelines, which brothers were fighting on the front line. It had to be frustrating. But God cultivated this skill within David that would catapult him uh, onto the national stage. And I think it's also interesting that as David ends up slaying uh, Goliath, kind of spoiler alert there, uh, it also becomes one more time God delivered him as he got ready to face his greatest foe. And that would be King Saul and his army coming after him, knowing that David was a threat to his son, Jonathan taking the throne. So the question for tonight is, have you ever been frustrated yourself by setbacks or hardships that God, you later come back around and say, oh, okay, that's why God allowed me to go through this uh, where God was using those hardships. And sometimes if you're Garth Brooks, unanswered prayers, uh, that God's going to give you something better in the future. Okay. So Idolfonso is here and the McConnells are here. And hello, Paula Austin. So glad that you're watching. Okay. Um, so Betsy Vienna says that... Um, this is a takeoff of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Successful People. That is so true. And he is ripping him off, but Stephen Covey is not alive, so maybe he won't get sued. But yes, you're absolutely correct. All right, the new houses are watching. And okay, uh, Amy Siebert says, those yummy Girl Scout cookies get you every time. I think that's true. Why do they sell them right as people are trying to do their diet starting the first of the year? It's horrible. Uh, but uh, sign me up for some tagalongs. Okay. So let's see. Uh, Karen Perry says, yes, I'm wondering what the next opportunity is. Maybe I'm in the middle of it. Uh, forgiveness and letting go. Okay. So sometimes we find us right in the middle of a hardship and you're like, okay, God, I'm trusting and I'm waiting. What's next? What do you have? So I know that Jill and I really wrestled and we've shared our story before that uh, when we first got married, uh, we decided to wait a few years for having kids. And then we're like, okay, life plan says we start having kids right now. Well, we had a hard time getting pregnant and then we had a hard time staying pregnant. And four miscarriages later, with the latter two being in the last trimester, it was just devastating for us. But now looking back, of course, God's been faithful with our two kids. But boy, what, what a trial where we had to bond to each other, but we also bonded in uh, our relationship with God and trusted him to walk by faith. And so we see that in God's timing, things happen. But at, at the moment that we're going through that, 
was very, very difficult to see how God can bring about anything good from that. So if you have any examples, please uh, text them in so we can share with the group. All right. Um, so, yeah, sometimes we go through health problems. Um, sometimes we get fired from jobs or we go through economic hardships or we have uh, relational challenges where a husband or wife will take off. You go through a separation. Uh, you go through a, a tragic uh, sin uh, in y'all's relationship. And you're like, God, why are you allowing this to happen? I, I'm on your team. But sometimes God can use these prepares for the future. So what we perceive to be isolated incidents often prove to be inciting incidents that prepare us for future opportunities. So what uh, Batson says is faith is learning to connect the dots between past tense uh, providence and present tense circumstance. So this is where a, a lot of Christians need that growth to take place as we're listening to our story, that sometimes when things start going right or a faith opportunity comes available or suddenly God reveals something, we don't then connect that back to the hardships and struggles and trials that we went through in the past that then become stepping stones or five smooth stones uh, to get us to where God needs us to be, to ultimately be in a position to serve in his kingdom. So maturity comes when we accept the good and with the bad and we accept the bad with the good, and we see that God's had a plan all along to connect those things. So, um, so Saul offered him his armor for the battle. Remember that scene? You can just almost picture uh, his, his stuff is too heavy. It's hanging off of him, and he looks like, you know, a, a boy putting on his dad's suit coat, and it, it's just not fitting. And so Dave was like, thanks but no thanks uh i'm gonna roll without this stuff and so what does he do he walks out onto the battlefield and all he has is his sling and the and the five stones because saul's armor was part of saul's story and david's testimony david's story was a slingshot that god had made him proficient at uh, to fend off the bears and the lions and chipmunks or whatever else. So did he look foolish heading out onto the battlefield without the armor, without the sword, without the spear? Yes, but faith is a willingness to look foolish if it means trusting in God. It's the same experience that Gideon had marching into battle. was like, what do we need to take? Um, let's take some clay pots, uh, some trumpets, uh, and a torch. Well, what about the other stuff? Ah, just leave it to God. Oh, okay. Because it's in our weakness that God develops a strength. And that's the story of the Benjamites. And so David, being left on the sidelines apart from his brother, becomes a hardship that turns into a strength for David. 
And his story was God used him at just the right moment. So uh, if you fail to connect the dots between God's past tense provisions and your present tense circumstances, then the nine foot giants in your life will appear to be insurmountable. You know, when I was a youth minister, Jill and I did that for 16 years. When we had spiritual victories with the kids in our youth program, we would tell them, guys, look around, journal about this day, about how God used you in this situation. As we're down here in Ensenada, Mexico, or, you know, we were up in Rio de Janeiro, New Mexico, doing some stuff for uh, opportunity camp for um, kids on the reservation. Whatever was going on, if they had a spiritual victory, I said, write that down. Remember this day. And so our faith journey has mile markers on it. it. And it was the same concept of stacking up the stones on the opposite side of the Jordan so that what you're walking by, you remember, I remember that day. But it's also telling your kids and granddad, your grandkids, as you walk past the river and say, see that stack of stones? Those stones came to the middle of the river. No, yeah. I was there when God billowed up the water and allowed us to walk through on dry ground. So each of us have to connect the dots, those mile markers where we see God intervening in our life and we see God preparing us for what's gonna happen in the future. So we start developing confidence some would say in ourselves, but I think that's part of it, but mostly confidence. We remember when God was faithful and we remember what God has been up to. Okay. Um, Bill James says, Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 has taught me to focus on managing the little things well in preparation for big things ahead, to not be discouraged or rushed. Sometimes it is hard but much easier as my faith has grown. So faith leads to trust. Absolutely, Bill. And the longer we go on our journey, the more of these mile markers that we have to say, I've got a long track record with God. He hadn't failed me yet. I haven't starved to death. Uh, I haven't been uh, left out in the cold. God has provided uh, for me and in the past. And whatever I'm going through in the in the present, I know God's got got me in the future. So uh, Amy Siebert says, even big mistakes. Absolutely. So when we fall on our face, uh, we know about God's love and God's grace and his forgiveness. And we hop right, right back up having confidence in God's grace and truth. So uh, we say, own it, uh, go and sin no more. But I'm gonna ask everyone else around to drop the stones. So you drop the stones and then you go and sin no more. It, it's an awesome moment knowing that Jesus has got us. Um, so flipping the script will give you the courage to run toward rather than run away from giants in your life. I was reading a, a book by Andy Stanley. In fact, our staff is going through it right now. And uh, it's a really good book um, about uh, that really helps leaders within the church. 
And he talks about when you find yourself at a crisis of faith, he's like, do the right thing and then allow the consequences to be taken care of by God. So just leave those consequences to God. If you're always choosing what's right, then you know God's with you and God will, uh, will be able to take care of those consequences for us. So don't shirk back and shrink back in faith. If you just do the right thing, you know God's got this. So everything in our past is preparation for something in your future. And I know that we have some young people, and we have some middle-aged people, and we have some older people on this. Just remember at whatever phase of life that you find yourself in, uh, Moses didn't get his main calling till his life was two-thirds over. Just know God's still preparing missions for you. He's still preparing things right now in the present that he wants you to do in the future. Doors he'll open up. So the Goliath in front of us that helps us to discover the David within us. So I want us to encourage us this week as we get up and spend time in God's word and as we spend time uh, speaking with him to start your, your day off um, in this way where we're asking God to speak in a new story asking God to speak in his promises in our life and asking God to give us opportunities to grow in our faith. Okay, we don't like that last one, but it's a prayer you can ask God, God, I want my faith to increase so that I can glorify you more and be more useful for the kingdom. But sit back, how God stretches our faith sometimes isn't uh, the easiest thing to go through but we can connect the dots and say, okay, God, if I'm going through this, uh, you said you're not gonna put me through more than what I can handle. You must have something incredible for me on the other side because I'm getting deeper in my faith and more trusting in you. Let me close tonight with a, a prayer for us. Father, we thank you so much for the uh, incredible story of David and Goliath. Lord, um, we are grateful that you gave David courage when the lion came up and then when the bear came up and then when the nine foot tall uh, giant came up and finally when a king that was troubled sent he and his army after David. He still trusted in you because his internal script was he has the heart of you and he knew that you would take care of him. Lord, help us to have that same internal script that we're telling ourselves um, that you're putting on our hearts. We're trusting in you. We're believing in you. And Lord, help us even as we go through very difficult times to know there's something on the other side that you have planned for us. Lord, we thank you. We ask you to be with our church. We ask you to be with the sick among us. But we also ask you to be with our nation uh, as we start a new chapter today. Watch over and guide us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us. And Lord willing, we'll see you on Sunday. See y'all.